0: Hello, my name is Cass and I'm from Manchester and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question today is, what do you think of Andrew Tate? Okay, here comes the show and remember, question everything.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast of myself, comedian writer and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka the Hizza, Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from
0: We are talking everything from Kaz's question. Kaz from Manchester's question. When do you think about Andrew Tate? Uh never again is my hope. Uh, that's when I think about <laughs> Is it, or is it? What do you think about Andrew? Let's go. When? When do you think
1: about Andrew Tate, eh? Uh, I guess when uh, my algorithms shove him in my face, pretty much. I don't really think about him a lot. I don't think about him. It's not something I talk about in my house, but sometimes I guess a lot of digital platforms think it's something I need to know about. Whereas I disagree. Mm. Yes, we both like martial arts. Yes, we're both old. Yes, we both have an impressive <coughs> selection of sports cars. But other than that, there are no real commonalities between us. And so I don't really think about him, Cass. And if you want to know what I think about Andrew yeah. Tate, just for bonus and for the sake of conversation, I think that Andrew Tate, like many uh nowadays influencers, uh, he is trying to put a band-aid on a gaping wound. That is the uh need for guidance that a lot of younger people are lacking in their lives. And people in general are lacking in their lives right now, are lacking direction, lacking purpose and meaning. And uh, I think that he, in that respect, is a false prophet. That's me.
0: Yeah. And uh, I just want to say uh, on behalf of many of us, ha, 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 you got caught uh, because of a pizza, you bellend. Um, But suffice it to say on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions.
1: Absolutely. No question is too big, too small, too dumb, too smart or too small dick in energy. And if you do like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from and you will never miss an episode and you can hear all of the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is an entrepreneur, business owner and content creator. He is the founder of the UK's most disruptive unorthodox marketing company. He appeared on Series 15 of The Apprentice and is a self-proclaimed maverick who doesn't like to follow the rules. And last summer, he even flew 4,000 miles across the world to find his stolen AirPods, which he got back. That is Tenacity Personified. Here he is. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Lewis Ellis. Hi, how's it going? Do
2: you know what? I'm really glad that was the intro. I thought you were going to go, speaking of small dick, we've got Lewis Ellis. I was, like, yeah. I was like, oh, no, I don't like how this intro looks like.
0: Yeah, that was in your briefing, though, if I remember correctly. But, um, I yeah. saw that intro coming. I was like, oh, no, please don't do this to me.
1: No, no, we wouldn't do that. Even, even then, it would be small dick energy. As opposed to a small dick. That's yes, the thing, Louis, you know, it's not just about the size of the phallus, it's uh it's how the phallus touches people, that analogy. So, you know, small dick energy
2: That's what that's what I tell myself every morning while I stare <laughs> crying into the mirror. I, do you know what? And if you could find <laughs> yeah. a way
1: to monetize telling men to think more about having picnic energy as opposed to having a big dick you probably would have as much money as Andrew Tate, <laughs> if not already. That is
2: small dick energy personified, <laughs> yeah.
1: though, in, in, in particular. Absolutely. I
0: like the fact that you, you des- describe yourself as a maverick, uh, or you yeah. are a maverick, or maybe you describe yourself as one. That's uh, quite exciting. I, I think, so that actually, that that statement um, is
2: from what they put out when The Apprentice came on TV. They were like, right. self-described maverick. And I was like, when have I ever <laughs> yeah. said I'm a maverick? Like, when have, when have I ever said them word? <laughs> yeah. like, I've watched Top Gun, like, yeah.
1: once. You <laughs> um, probably said, yeah. I don't know, I was by the rules, I to do my own thing, and they were like, this guy thinks he's Tom Cruise. <laughs> this guy is an yeah. uh,
2: But to be honest, though, when they did that to me, and then since then it became a thing, and I was like, i say, i probably more like to say I'm a weirdo. Like, if you ask me who I am yeah. or what I am, like, I'm a real weirdo, I'm really unconventional, really unorthodox, I like to go against the grain. I guess all of that does mean Maverick, but I just, mm. Maverick was kind of the nickname I was given when I was working in uh, Iron Appa in 2009, because That's I wore it. sunglasses. That looked like Tom Cruise's sunglasses, and then he sort of stuck. Got you. Yeah. Um, and the you old don't girls like, just come You back. don't
0: like to follow the rules, right? That's that's what it says. That's do you, what you know it what? Yeah, exactly. exactly, exactly that, mate. Tough um, with it, uh, tough with flat pack furniture, I imagine uh, that
2: yeah. one. But, um, <laughs> it's a nightmare. Imagine getting the rules. You throw the rules out the window. I mean, like this building. guy honestly, he's been
0: here a week and he hasn't
2: even managed to do these <laughs> shelves. On uh, my life, this is a real problem I've just had. Right, legit problem. So I got a, I got a shelf from IKEA, and I, I was like, I don't need the rules. <laughs> I don't, it's not like I have got rid right it because I'm just that that yeah. petty but I just thought I could build this without that instruction he's now hanging on the, hanging on by a thread and I had to get some no more nails to do like a proper man yeah. job where you just like squirt some shit in it and stick it back on home no one knows this I wait for the next person to break it and um, that's kind of what I'm in now that's right you said it you
1: said it up, set it up it, it's generational like it's like you know when you some, you hear something crash in the cupboard and you go that sounds like somebody else's problem yeah. that's not mine whoever opens that cupboard next yeah. will inherit those problems in the same way that our generation treat the climate it's like. Yes, the environment is terrible. But in some ways, that's really the next generation's problem to work out. <laughs> <laughs> it's really time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show dictates? Absolutely, Howard Lewis. As our very esteemed guest, we'd like to invite you to ask the first question, which could be any question you'd like. And we'd like to discuss it for about fifty minutes or some change. Uh, but it sounds like you are familiar with the rules. or You don't follow the rules, but the floor is open for you to ask the first question, Maverick.
2: <laughs> I guess my question would be, uh, when can you actually say, I'm successful? When can you actually say those words? Because, okay, speaking about Drew Tate a second ago, um, he goes, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm successful, I'm this, I'm that, and sounds like a massive penis when he does it. Because that's almost arrogant in some respects. Like, yeah, but I mean, what, what defines someone as successful? Because some, what, what, in my opinion, like what, what I see when I get older, where I want to be, is very different to what a lot of other people would define successful. And some people have gone, but you are successful. So my question to you is, at what point can you say, I'm successful. And it's one, a very,
0: very good question, good. Uh, and I just want to ask you before me and Dane give any thought: is 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 how successful do you feel at the moment? Uh, I'm I,
2: I, not not one not one iota. Like I'm happy. I'm doing what I want to be doing. Uh, I'm happy that I refuse to conform to what other people have told me I should do in societal standards. I'm happy, but it's, it's taken a lot of fighting to get there. I'm still considered an, an idiot in some respects by some, by some, you know, I can have all the qualifications, all the degrees, all the masters and have all the experience. I can still be, be considered a moron. Um, because some people just don't receive that as clever. Um, uh, at the same time, like, do I see myself as successful at the moment? No, no not one, not one. Eye out. So I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Hmm. So that's my opinion. Interesting.
1: Where do we begin, Dane? Well, I, I'll begin by saying, I definitely see you're coming from with that. I think that it is the natural inclination of people who are, uh, have, very ambitious or have aspirations especially people who uh, want to overachieve, it can be very easy for us to see the present state that we're in as not being particularly successful. Uh, I definitely uh, suffer from that acute feeling sometimes that I've not gotten where I wanted to get at a certain point but I think the problem with that is that when you are especially doing something like uh, an entrepreneurial pursuit or creative pursuit, there aren't Always necessarily, uh, particular milestones or, uh, I guess checkpoints where you can gauge your success by because I get it's all quite relative. And again, I see, I see where you're coming from. Um, for me, I guess, uh, perspective always helps with, uh, success. And, um, one of the things I always, uh, try to use to kind of ground me and not to say that I, because I feel like I've got Icarus complex and I'm trying too hard, but it's more to do with the fact that, you know, just understanding, just getting perspective and realising that even though you are trying to have some kind of individual success, there are a lot of external elements that aren't necessarily within your control. Some of those can serve to benefit your uh, your journey. Some of it can kind of hinder it. But I think it's always about perspective and how you look at it. So for example, for me, uh, prior to the pandemic, I'd had a few lemon, lamentations about where my career was and what I wanted to do. And I think a lot of the time that is, exasperated by the ease in which we're able to compare ourselves to what we see on social media in particular whereas before you would just be on your own journey you probably would have to observe the highlight reels of people you perceive to be your peers but for me basically I guess I definitely started to look at my success very differently when Kobe Bryant died because that was somebody I looked at where I was like this guy has been nothing but an overachiever his entire life and is already now working towards uh, Nurturing his children Towards the same goals of being the best they can be And then his time was tragically cut short And I guess that gave me perspective Because then I was like You can be a success And you can have it all But factors outside of your control Can maybe put an end to that Now does that mean that he wasn't a success Because we didn't get to see him uh Realise the entirety of his potential I wouldn't say so but I guess success is always going to be a very difficult thing to define, depending on what criteria you set, and also who else you're allowing to define what success is. And I think that's another problem with success is that that's the key. Yeah.
0: That's the key thing, I think, Dave.
1: Yeah, because you said, Louis. Some people still say you're an, you said that some people still say you're an idiot. But who are these people, and why does their opinion matter? Because it's like working within the creative industry as a, as a performing artist. I'm also open to criticism, but then I always have to look at what the basis is for criticism and also the relevance of criticism overall, because even if there was no one to tell me if they thought my performance was good or bad, I would have stopped performing. And I feel like even if there was no one to tell you that you're an idiot or not, you would still be working to achieve. And so for me, it's like, we are able to survive and thrive independently of critique. Whereas if there was no work you were doing or there was no comedy I was making, that person wouldn't have a job. So they're much more dependent on me than I am upon them for their existence for existence
0: it's it's so interesting because i was thinking about uh this is going to sound slightly tangential but uh i was thinking about uh, mario uh the other day uh, you remember super mario uh he was popular and he's got a film coming out uh, so you might have seen the trailer um but did you play that game
1: when you
3: were
0: did young? i play as a kid yeah man yeah, like big, uh, and the Nintendo 64 one was a big version, but it, it, it went for many years. Ma- on Mario
1: me. 3 was a big version and, as well. Um, Did you remember when that came out? Mir- a lot oh, of, my goodness. Yeah, a lot of big yeah.
0: games, a lot of big games. But the thing about Mario that I, I used to love was was the, the sense of progress was very clear. So you would, you know, restart the, the game, right, when you got home from school or whatever, and then you'd be at that level that you were at before, and then it's like, oh, maybe you were a couple of... We had to go a minute or so back, right? But you, your progress was very clear, and uh, I nearly completed. I think I did complete Mario sixty four. I never got all a hundred stars, uh, but uh, but point being, that is very clear progress. Life is not that clear, I, uh, and 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 there is too many variables across all our lives, whether it be Dane's life, Lewis's life, my life, or any of our listeners' life, to define what what really is your your sense of progress. You know, this morning I got my son up. Uh, he woke up and I got him to nursery and uh, he didn't really cry uh, in that process. That would be considered a success for me because uh, at times he'll get furious that, you know, I'm turning Paw Patrol off or whatever it might might be. Um, but it, I think, Lewis, that the, the, our biggest challenge is to be in the moment enough to realise that just living your life is actually pretty successful. And whilst you might have big ambitions for – you know, uh, uh, your, your career, uh, you, you, will probably never actually be happy. Even if you, even if you achieved most of them, like Dane, you know, I know, I've known Dane for about a decade and he has achieved most of the things that you would have anticipated. He wanted to achieve in, you know, a career, you know, as a comedian, he has done a number of things that, that when I first met him would have would have been aspirations but it doesn't mean that you, you that's it. Now you've achieved them. You're like, ah, well, that's me. <laughs> just let me know when to die. I, I, find that, I find that
2: setting new goals is quite interesting. So obviously, I've not, not really shared my thoughts. Now. But recently,
1: the reason I asked I this no, question, you should you, way, you should uh, I think it's important to I've get always, the context of like, success because I, I think it's a really good conversation. Yeah. And, and also it's because like, it's easy to get context. Like, Just to add to your question, is there a recent instance of success or a significant aspect of success that you've experienced recently or previously that maybe you've struggled to achieve since then that you wonder about your success. Cause some people would be like, the fact that you're only apprentice means as an entrepreneur, you've made it. Whereas you might be like, that was that was a that was a drop in the ocean. No,
2: yeah, that was that was this that was the start for yeah. me. Like that was just the first step. I can't buy that right person. And then since then I started a business I'm onto my second one, you know, but people would this is my point. So If you ask my mum, she thinks I'm successful when I got a master's degree after failing at three. I got kicked out of three colleges, yeah, and I managed to go back to university, blagged them to let me in, do a degree in a master's. My mum would have said he's made it, but I didn't because then I went and worked and then X, Y, Z, and then I started a business, and then she would have gone, "Now he's now he's successful, but I'm not." And then what my the idea behind the question came because my my thing was always, I'm going to say I'm successful when I can stand and talk to thousands of young people who come from poor families, who maybe have got kicked out of college, who didn't know where they were going to go in life, who, you know, did things differently, refused to conform, and tell them that they can also get where I'm going. So what, to to, to be that, that in my head, to be that success, I have to achieve a certain level of success in life. Now, to me, the only thing that seems to matter to 99% of people is making a lot of money as an entrepreneur. If you make millions, always successful. It could be a, yeah, i allowed to swear. He
1: could be a, an ethic Oh, you, moron. Could, def- you could definitely okay, swear, <laughs> especially if you talk about capitalists like that. Okay, <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> let's let's take Andrew. Let's take Andrew Tate for example. He's a fucking moron, yeah, an absolute not, uh, uh, just a knobhead. But he talks sometimes about great yeah. stuff. Sometimes he's just a complete bellend. But the point is, because he's made loads of money, lots of kids look up to him. and Go, he's an inspiration. He's not an inspiration. He's a fucking idiot. Like, you can make a lot of money by robbing people. Does that mean you're a successful
1: person? And I know also, you can also in- inherit money. Like you said. Correct. So that's the issue. Oh, well, first of all, is that we are the, uh, the equating yeah, of money to that's success. That's the problem. So
2: for me to talk to, yeah, talk to kids, probably... I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have to hit that level. I'm, I see it as this sell a business, make, make a few million, go and do something else. But as long as you make a few million, they'll take what you say and right. face value and they'll listen to you and they'll, they'll go, Oh, he actually knows what he's talking about. So I think that's why I have to hit. But anyway, I used to say when I talk to thousands of kids, then I help them achieve their goals. That's when I'll say I'm successful, right? right? It's actually quite a nice thing that and that's what I define as success however next week I'm talking to ta- I got asked to take part in this tour around the UK talking to students and there's mm-hmm. thousands of them so I'm like have I manifested my successful yeah. thing early and now I'm like well, what, well if I'm going to do that next week then I'm I'm not what's my next success? you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? like what's my what's my measure it's got my gauges gone so that's why the question yeah. came from yeah. I'm like oh yeah. now
1: what well, I mean I mean the thing is the thing is is that like I guess that kind of feeds another uh, affirmation I've had to kind of learn on my journey and that is that like nothing as much as you can visualize and dream uh, reality is never going to be uh how you imagine and I guess that's why people say happiness is a uh, reality minus expectation so you can have an idea of what you want to achieve and how you want it to manifest but there are certain elements again which you can't control like for example the timing of particular milestones you might not know what's going to come up. You may have thought uh, when I'll be speaking to young students from a similar background, that might happen in the next three to five years, but it's gotten to the point where this has come up now and you may be in a state you didn't expect to be in. And that kind of doesn't necessarily mean that it's not successful. It could be that this milestone has arrived quicker than you anticipated. And I guess, as I'm sure you know, uh, achievement and uh I guess luck is opportunity met with preparation. And so, what you tend to find is that there's, there's a new challenge come, which you're able to adapt to. And maybe that's how you do success. And maybe that's how success happens. I, I think, you know, it definitely is an important point that we need to move away from what are material or uh fiscal indicators of success. Because that's not necessarily how the world works, yeah. especially when we know that there are people who you could define as financially successful, who have had an immensely larger head start compared to you or I have ever had you know, people, or at the same time, there are some people who have been able to realize that success through a lot more malicious means or amoral means or exploitation of other human beings or resources. Does that make us a success if long-term their achievements are going to have a negative or detrimental effect on society as a whole? Might not be necessarily that successful. So I think it's definitely about addressing it. Um, I think the other thing as well is that, you know, one of the problems that comes with that is that when these things are um, linked to success, it means that we also move away from the mental disposition of a person. And we can see that where, you know, on the surface, it could look like someone has everything in the world. But on the inside, they may be dealing with some turmoil where they don't perceive themselves to be a success. And that's why it's an important discussion to have, because, you know, a lot of the time, some of the, the byproducts of success can be uh, imposter syndrome, and survivor's guilt, um, you know, or these kind of feelings of inadequacy as you move on to other things. Or just, you know, if you are constantly chasing because, you know, when you achieve stuff, there's also like, you know, chemical reactions happen in your brain, whether it's a release of endorphins or dopamine because of you feel validated or you, you know, you feel validated by an achievement or how people respond to an achievement, that can be problematic as well, because then if validation becomes your pursuit a lot of the time, then what you're going to do to realize that might change your trajectory towards your success initially uh so I think one way to be successful is being able to wake up and get through a day and be able to live it yourself for a lot of people that is a massive success mm. and I think irrespective of where you are um socio economically or where you feel you are socially or even uh i suppose when it comes to um even creatively. I think being able to be okay with yourself is probably one of the most successful feats that a human being can uh, achieve on a daily basis.
0: Well said, mate. Well said. And uh, yeah, I think the fact that you're asking that question, uh, Lewis, means that I think uh, you'll probably never feel fully successful. Uh- <laughs> yeah, and and, and also <laughs> the
1: fact that you uh, don't have to uh, negatively pay your success to others as you mentioned, like someone like Andrew Tate, it's probably also a very indicative success because, I mean, using, using that as an example, you know, if you are someone that has to tell people how well you're doing, it would suggest to us, maybe you don't think you're doing so well because, you know, yeah. I like I like nice things, but if I had the nice fleet of cars, I don't imagine I would tweet like an environmental campaigner to be like, i got loads of cars. Hooray, because first of all, I already mm. know they're probably not that interested in those things in the first place. So it would speak to me about maybe an insecurity about my own success if I have to try to bash people over the head with it. So my lesson to people out here listening is if you got to tell everybody, maybe you're not comfortable with it yourself.
0: We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the show. Well said, mate. And uh, it was a good question. Great Lewis. question. Thank you for bringing it to the show. Um, I am going to shift perspective for my question. Uh, it's inspired by stalking Lewis <laughs> online uh, and looking at, uh, on a brief, like five, ten minutes. Five, ten minutes. That's all, it, that's all I do. With each guest. It only takes, yeah, only takes a minute, hour minutes.
1: to fall in love. That's what. Exactly. Some, of
0: you, some of you get followed some of them get followed on social media i followed you and uh, and i noticed that you have a new project that you're working on about uh, travel uh, about hidden destinations and um i'm i'm a, uh, as Dave knows a, a, a thoroughly non-materialistic bloke right i have no i mean i got bought christmas presents a lot of them went back because i don't need this shit uh thank you for buying them though, family <laughs> and friends. Um, um but um I just don't need it. You're wasting your time. Um but um one thing I do take seriously is holidays. And I've I've had some good ones, you know. I've been to some nice hotels. You like a nice hotel, didn't you? love a don't? good hotel. Um uh, that, that yeah, yeah, I I went to one in Seychelles that was poor, that was the one. Um anyway, my question is this, and, and you both are gonna have an opinion about this, clearly. Why do I give hotels such a hard time when I'm in them? Oh, you're an asshole. That's it. Right. Great. So, yeah. I'm, joking. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's a- <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's, it, it's a phenomenon. I think it's a big phenomenon. I can see people of any class, any kind of background, whether they're from a really well off background, really poor background. And, and there's a natural movement towards giving the hotel shit uh and, and and like i say i'm selling really nice ones right and i sometimes feel like i'm giving them a harder time than the shit ones yeah, yeah. so what's that all about
2: lewis explain i do you know what I, i've never actually thought about this uh, but i've worked <laughs> yeah. i've worked in resorts for a long time so I, I spent about eight seasons uh working as a as a customer guest right so if you were giving someone shit i was the guy you were giving the shit so Right, That's right. why my initial response was a bit abrupt. <laughs> However, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. With, with that in mind, I think I think it's two prongs. One, because you set out in your head, you, you've saved. I mean, a lot of people save a long time and you value experiences. I value experiences. It's time with your family. It's time away. Mm. It's time exploring. You had this expectation in your mind of what you wanted to have. You knew what you were going to go. Do. In your head, you built it up, right? Mm. And you hype anything up. Okay. Then you like cars, yeah? You hype up a car. I bet you sit in it within a week. You probably bored. Like we all hype oh, really. it up, and then we actually get it. It's just not quite right. So then, who are you going to take that out on? But who, you can't take it out on the family because they'll just kick your ass out of the circle, and you're on your own for holiday. So you've got to take it out on the staff. So I think I think a lot of it's expectations, right. and I think that we all have unrealistic expectations of things, regardless of whether it's a, a physical thing or it's a. Um, like we said, success, or whether it's you know, a, a job or a car or whatever it is. So we're going to hype stuff up all year long, especially holidays. You save and you pay, and You're like, oh my God, it's going to be the best thing ever. Gonna go. <laughs> I, I went to Egypt and I was like, it's going to be the best thing ever. The pyramids, all that happened when I saw the pyramids was for like 20 minutes straight, a different person tried to sell me some shitty carrying every five seconds. <laughs> like, it was the worst experience of my life. But I was like, I thought it'd be oh, always, so I think that's part of it. Mm. The Second thing is, uh, this is what I noticed in the apprentice house. You take away someone's phone, someone's keys, someone's wallet, and you give them food and they don't have to worry about anything, all of a sudden they're like mm. toddlers. You revert to being a fucking yeah. child. Like you have no responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> so why wouldn't you throw your toys at the Pam and you about Pram and you act out and you you kick you you spit your dummy out? Because why would you? Why wouldn't you? You have no responsibilities anymore. So you, I think a little bit as a mindset yeah. switch. When you they call it a holiday mode, um, and, and I think the high expectation plus the fact that you're reverting to being a toddler mm. um, in your head, like subconsciously, you're like, oh, I have no responsibilities. I do what the fuck I want. Like Sam at at nine a.m. Woo! You see the women at the bar like going crazy. Like um, it,
0: it's and out,
1: Howard, this is weird, Howard, because, because this is news to me. What kind of things do you complain about when you're giving um people working in the hospital industry? This is this is the thing. This is the thing.
0: Right. Let, 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 me, let me kind of because I, I said it to get a reaction and, and, and I got it. Um, but the thing <laughs> is 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 it, it it's like a here's that expectation thing and you go in there and I I've worked out just listening to, to Lewis there that, that 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 the truth of it probably is that when you're in your house, those expectations are so low, right? you know, like there's no one else responsible for it. Right. There's no one else responsible for any of this stuff other than you and your, you know, whoever you live with at the hotel. This is, a, I'm paying to be in your house. Right. And i expect your house to like, you know, uh, I mean, th- 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 I-, I remember complaining. I mean, I don't know if you've been to the Seychelles, Lewis, you in there. No, I have not No, It's all right. It's all right. Is it? Yeah. It looks it's great. It looks really good. really good. And I, you know, it was my honeymoon. It was my honeymoon. And, uh, you know, when went, went went fancy, right? Uh, I mean, I might be from East London, but I can go fancy and um, uh, raffles. You ever heard of that hotel? Yeah, that's that a, is pretty. That's yeah, a place to stay. Look, and uh, I, I still found time to <laughs> like. There is a you know view of the sea and the tropical island that you are on, uh, and yet they, they didn't refill my coffee pods quite regularly enough for
2: my life you can't say you're east london and say you picked
0: up my coffee <laughs> pod pot don't come at me with that how it this is. is what this is what happens though this is what happens you know you're like you're like staying you know i stayed there in a place in solipurus <laughs> amazing place um it was uh, in uh pathos which is a nice yeah, bit of that world really nice. and uh you know that all you can eat buffet poof, you could be replenishing this a little bit quicker you know, you could just be working you, on that a little eat, bit. Did you eat you all know. that
1: they had on display? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay, yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. Everything, good everything. Good
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I feel, just, I feel like it's, a, uh, yeah, yeah, also, it's a, I think for Brits, it's quite a cultural thing. Like, the same way we say all oh, the German people come and put towels down at 6am in the morning, which they do. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. But they. I think as as Brits, we just like to find reasons to complain, Generally. Like we'll mm. be like in the summer going, oh, it's just too hot. I hate the heat. Oh, it's shit. It's humid. Mm. Winter, Winter, oh, it's freezing. I can't stand it. Like, I just wish I had a tan. And there's no winning with us. So I think naturally we complain a lot anyway. But then with those two th- concepts that I mentioned about the about the, uh, the fact that um, we just have expectations that we build up in our head and it's unrealistic and then combined with um, the, the fact that we sort of, re- we're almost children because we have no responsibilities. I think that combined with the fact we're just British it's yeah. the, the magic factor where you pick up about a coffee
0: pot. Where do you, yeah, exactly. It's bollocks. I know it's bollocks. And it's just like almost like I'm trying to find something to complain about, I suppose, is the truth. But Dane, where do you stand on this kind of complaining at um, hotels sitch?
1: You, you stay in a lot. I do stay, stay in a lot of hotels lot. for work. So I, I think it's helping to be a lot more conscientious about people that work in the hospitality industry. Um, I tend to find that before complaining, it's probably better off to speak to someone personally and, and make a request. And I think if you take the time to speak to someone on a personal level, they're more likely to do stuff for you. So, for example, if I stay in all inclusive somewhere where I guess um not to not in a patronizing way, but like if I stayed in Dominican Republic, for example, and I know it's all inclusive, I don't understand that a large amount of like the housekeeping staff, even though they're being paid, probably you know are still not, you know probably making a very modest amount of money, so I think you know you can tip people a little bit so if you're in the states or in an American hotel chain, you give people a tip and then you can specifically ask them. Can I get some extra coffee pods in the morning and then a few dollars? Or I guess, I think it's always about trying to just rather than rapport build with people who are personal. So if you're staying somewhere a week and you know that's going to be the same housekeeper, Mm. maybe try and learn her name on a first name basis. Or if you're in another country, just trying to learn uh, to speak maybe a few words of that person's language can be very helpful there instead. So it takes a lot for me to give uh, hotel shit because, you know, just... I just understand the human condition. Errors can be made. People can be tired. I think what would trigger me is if I'm only triggered if people are rude to me. Like, that's the only thing that triggers me is that if someone's mm. quite short with you or dismisses of you and you are raising an issue, that's the only thing that will trigger me. Like, so far as most other things, I know that people will fuck up. But normally, like at hotels, like Lee is, Lewis is saying, when I'm staying somewhere where someone's making my bed for me and cleaning my room every day, that enough is like that's just a nice thing that a human being can do for somebody, and I think I have enough of that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great, it's great isn't it? for an ad- like you said as an adult. That's like being a kid again. Like someone is cleaning your room for you, like someone's making your food for you. Like these are normally uh decisions that I think take up too much of my day. So if someone else does it for me, I'm usually pretty chill. Like I was in the Dominican Republic, I got to have rum punch and pancakes for breakfast every day for like a week, and for there, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I was chubby as fuck, but I was very happy And I feel like when that happens <laughs> It's very hard for me to like give people shit But I think the main thing is I always just try to put myself in the position Of the people that I'm addressing So as much as it's somebody's job I do understand that if you are doing Housekeeping at 9am in the morning And you've got a whole floor of people to do The odds are that's probably quite exhausting mm. So I guess the way to do it is to If you're going to broach a grievance It's to first of all make people aware that you understand that they are busy and they are working hard and they are tired and then cool. just have that. Uh But could you do this? And then if so, I'd, and then just be, just pour on obviously the honorifics and be thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time to listen to me because I don't know. I just make it a point of principle. I try not to fuck with people who have access to my bed or my food.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fair, 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 I mean, I think I would point out, I never, I'm never rude to yeah, people. Yeah. I should stress, I'm never rude to people. And, and do they <laughs> you know? No, 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 no. I'm definitely not. I'm, I'm always really polite. It's like I remember in that place in Patos, going up to this guy and going like, "Excuse me, um, I just wondered, is it possible that the, the outdoor pool could be warmer?" And I remember him just looking at me, just being like, "Do you know how many fucking people have come and asked me this question?" It's a fucking cold pool, mate. Seeing <laughs> yeah. his eyes, he just wanted to go. The water's was fucking cold, mate. What do you want to do? It's thirty six degrees out here. Just sit out. Don't get in the water, you know. But it's different like that compared to like the scenario where I was. I we went to a wedding a little while ago and stayed at a hotel. Just a, just a normal, average hotel. I can't remember Ramada. One of the was a, a, a big brand, right? And I, I remember calling the guy on reception because I had you know my son with me and I wanted to you know, give him a bit of television to give me a break and uh the guy who came up to fix the television i mean i I don't know how long ago he died inside (laughs) um, and it's in that scenario if he's if he's talking to you like i'm a cunt because i'm the one that's asking you to fix the television he's like i I can't solve your life for (laughs) you mate like it's not my i'm just i didn't want to show the kid pepper pig
2: there's an interesting thing here. You're hitting on very, very, very well, by the way, without knowing it. Um, so one of the reasons why I started this travel company was for those reasons. And so what you're, you both mentioned similar things. That okay. Here's long and short of it. You'll read when the website launches. Read this. So the reason why I decided to start this business is because over the years I've watched travel companies buy up every single brand, make deals with every single hotel chain, and they were with all these restaurants and all these logistics providers, coaches. And the reason why they've done that is because they're driving the price down a shitter. So when you book a nice all-inclusive holiday to Spain for £300 for four days, you think, oh, what a banging deal. And you get there and you've got someone who's doing maintenance and they're just fuming. The pool's cold or the, the, there's not enough chairs. They're all, the whole reason behind everything that happens in, in travel is because they're all racing to the bottom. Where do you think the money got like, where do you think that money would have previously gone? Like it goes on extra staff. It goes on, um, you know, the the coach driver is pissed off when you arrive because he's the only one working for the entire day and he's doing 15 runs to and from the airport. The way, the, the 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 housekeeping staff don't take as much care because there's less of them and they're stressed and and it's a knock on effect. That basically, I looked at it and said, would I class this as a holiday? Like the food is shitty and beige because they couldn't they haven't got they have to buy the cheapest supplier because that's all the profit that, that Thomas Cook was giving them. So. Uh, th- th- there's a reason behind it all this because there's this massive race to the bottom, and those profit margins are slim. Like most of the time, they don't even make money. Um, and if they're working like that, how can they really provide the best vacation? How can they really provide the best experience, the best food, the best, even the activities they use? Like, for example, you go on a boat tour, that boat is the shittiest boat there's now. It's about to sink. You know, there's a really nice one over there, but they won't use it because it costs more money and they can't offer that as part of a package. I decided I was going to flip it on its head. I was going to go, we're going to pick the nicest hotels with the best transport, the nicest food. And you know what we're going to do is people are going to say, this is how much it costs. Like we're not going to say, oh, it's a cheap No, This is how much it costs. You can come with us or you don't have to. You can go for a cheap one. But we would like to go on a holiday, which is very relaxing, very nice. And we're going to go home and feel like we had a holiday. We're not going to go home feeling stressed, pissed off really greasy and dirty. We're going to eat chips all week because we couldn't eat anything else. Whatever the the, and the kids, you know, you're in a hotel which is packed to the rasters because, you know, they're trying to save money. Or when you arrive, the biggest one, when you arrive and they go, oh, we're fully booked in this hotel. We're going to put you in a building. It's just over the road, <laughs> but it's pretty <laughs> similar. It's no never way. similar. It's always no. awful. And the reason behind that is because they overbook, they they pack people on flights, they cut costs, and the profit margins are so. And that's where the issue is. And um, and you guys hit on both those things without even realizing. Yeah,
1: I think I think that's the thing as well. I think, like I said, it, it's uh very much there's a, a disconnect between both parties of the customer and I guess the grunts that have to do carry out the will of these big companies and stuff like that as well. But I, I, Howard, I think that's the thing is that, like I said, you're, you you want to give a hotel shit. Unfortunately, the, the conduit for giving the hotel shit. Are normally the staff who, like you said, have to populate that level at the bottom, and they're and they're normally on the front line for the policies or uh, corporate policies that can make your stay less enjoyable. So I feel like if they had the surplus of like coffee pods, for example, then hospitality would have no problem. But what normally happens is they probably had a meeting where someone said we're losing too much money in coffee pods. Try to give as 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 few coffee pods as possible where you can, and blah blah blah. But I think. I think in all instances of hospitality, it's definitely important that, uh, you try to always say to people that this is not a personal attack. It's an observation or a grievance I might have with the policy that you're working in. And I think a lot of times, sometimes, but sometimes, like I said, Howard, some people like fucking hate their jobs. And just because you are a decent paying customer, there's not really anything you can do to make them like it anymore. So again, I think the only thing you can do then is just kind of be like, Almost speak to somebody when you're like, yeah, I know this job is shit, man. And like, I'm here with my family when I wish I was. I just try to uh, find a mutuality. I I always tend to find that if you can do that, it tends to uh, help it, uh, help the uh, situation a lot more. Because I think if people understand that you understand them, they're much more likely to uh, carry out your wishes, even if it means they go the extra mile.
0: Well, thank you for uh, answering uh, my question. I will respect hotels. I always do respect the staff, uh, and I'll try and you know be a better person.
1: Or 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 Howard, we we do, we do want to be a good English person as well because that also is a part of the culture. <laughs> I'll go back to writing strongly worded letters. It's very true, D- Dane. What's your
0: question to wrap up this week's show?
1: Well, my question, I think, is quite simple. I think Lewis has covered a lot of good points, and re- with regards to uh, success and entrepreneurship, um. And also about, uh, how money could distort all of those things. Um, cause I also feel like the term entrepreneur has become very distorted over the years. And historically for me, I, uh, always thought an entrepreneur was someone who's kind of like a self-starter and kind of makes their own bones. I guess I, I never wanted to define myself when I started doing comedy, I wanted to define myself as, or as a entrepreneur, but I guess my tax code would describe me as self-employed. But I wanted to ask Lewis, because obviously you've been on shows like The Apprentice and, you know, have started your own business. But you're also aware that there are a lot of people who are described as being like entrepreneurs when they received a large amount of financial backing from either their parents or from a wealth consortium. So my question basically is how easy or difficult is it nowadays to be an entrepreneur?
2: I think entrepreneur sounds better than unemployed. Uh, yeah. So that's <laughs> why I say it to my mum. I think, at, right, so I, I, this is genuinely true, this. Uh, I annoys because Instagram made the decision for me. They just put it on my thing and that was what it is. I really don't like it. Right. Um, I don't think entrepreneurs is how you give yourself. I don't think you can say I'm yeah. an entrepreneur because what you're trying to say is, you're not trying to say I'm uh, an entrepreneur. You're trying to say I'm the person that wants to start a business, wants to chase my goals, or whatever it is. Like, you're, you're not actually saying I'm an entrepreneur. So, this shouldn't commoditize the word. I don't think it's a title you should ever give yourself. It's like saying I'm sexy. Like,
1: yeah. I mean, well, it's, I, like, it's like saying I'm a free thinker or I'm a socialite. Because, yeah. really, it, for me, a socialite is somebody who just hangs around, but they have money or a trust fund. Because if you just went to parties and didn't have any money, you were just hanging out there. Again, people refer to you as unemployed, but socialite is a sound so bad because, you know, depending on the, uh, the financial background of the person in question, they get regarded in a very different way to somebody who just turns up at like pubs and functions and doesn't have a job. So I agree. Like you said, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, I guess entrepreneurship is, is a weird thing for you to say that you are yourself, like, because yeah, we all do things hoping it would make money. <laughs> but that's, it's all entrepreneurs. I think
2: you can have entrepreneurial people who are in a career. They've got a job there because they do it. Basically, for me, yeah. it's thinking outside the box. It's doing things differently and, and also standing by the, the, what makes someone, in my eyes, an entrepreneur. Again, it's not a title you should give yourself. Someone else would write about you in a pre- the newspaper or in a press release or whatever it is. You shouldn't go around going, I'm an entrepreneur. I think it's, it's earned, not, 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 you can't just decide. It's like, it's like when people try and give themselves a nickname and they'll be like, right now and yeah. everyone referred to me as, I don't know, Maverick. And they'd be like, I'm not calling you Maverick. Right? <laughs> and no one should ever call yeah. you Maverick. <laughs> anyway, so that's my sort of perception. I think you can be an entrepreneurial person in a career. I think you can do it in any space. I think it's about um, being a, a, a person that sticks by what your goals are. You stand by what you believe in, and you chase that with an undying passion, an, an unrelenting, an undying um sort of drive is what what propels you to keep doing that and you're going to be told you're wrong you're going to face adversity you're going to be laughed at and ridiculed all that sort of stuff that you have to go through and then one day when you actually get where you're going people go wow you're so clever how did you get there or you go from being the weird guy to oh he's eccentric and and i think that's when when you can say when people say oh he's entrepreneurial um I keep saying he, by the way, she as well, by the way, no, no, no gender bias, um, or, or or
1: even or even they,
2: yeah, or even they, then I keep forgetting that's sort a of thing now.
1: Yeah, this is it. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: so yeah, we'll, we'll get there. To, to be to be honest, I, yeah, I think for me, it's, it's not a thing. You should go around telling people that you are. You shouldn't say that that's what you are because really, it's defined in what you've done. It's a it's a result. It's a it's a result of your the outcome of of, of doing of, of of actual action because everyone has a business idea yet no one ever actions them. Um, and that's my sort of thing that really winds me up in business. I've got, I want to start a business and do it. Then. I've got no money. So who gives a fuck? I got—I lost my job. That's why I started. Like, I, no one ever All has right. any money. I've started a travel company with no money. Like, I've started a marketing agency with no money. It's just always going to be the thing it is. Um, and I think with you as well, Like, these people might say, I don't know if you're on stage comedy, I've looked a little bit about what you do. But like, say someone yeah. goes, I want to be a comedian one day. I want to put on TV. Okay, well, go out and fucking do it then. Go to the clubs, do the that's comedy shows, do the comedy shows, prepare your routine, work on it for years, tell everyone, do it over and over again, and like put in the work until then you can say, I'm a comedian, you know, but because you can't, but, but then you've got the trust fund babies that mommy and daddy will pay for them a spot to do or do something and they'll go, I'm a comedian. No, you're not. You're yeah. an asshole. Like, and I, I view people. I think
1: that's the other part of, that's, that's a good point because I bring them over to the other point is that like, I think entrepreneurial spirit and being able for people to critically think and also monetize their ideas would be, is a great way, in a, in a kind of more of a commercial utopia, if we could all come up with ideas for businesses or goods and services and meet in a market and exchange those things, that would be how commerce and how markets are supposed to work. But like you said, we live in a world whereby like, for me, it's like watching someone like Kim Kardashian say that people don't work fucking hard enough when you come from a millionaire background yeah. and a lot of the ideas that you have are not grounded in ideas that you've come up with. It's more of the fact that there are maybe other interests around you that know that your name can lead stuff. For me, that's not entrepreneurial. Like, in the same way that, like, when people who come out of Love Island are given, I mean, you could argue maybe that they are entrepreneurs and that their products that they bring into a market is their body or their existence. But then I think at the same time, it's like, if you, if you're, if you have a name du jour and someone says, we have a clothing line and we need to put your name on it, it could be arguably a shrewd business move to associate with those people but are you necessarily an entrepreneur if that if it wasn't for these other people, you wouldn't have these ideas or have these extension strategies for your career? And also the other thing that I think as well as economically, entrepreneurship, particularly from people with more modest or working class backgrounds, has definitely been hampered by the fact that people who have money and people who have been able to enjoy generational wealth have regulated markets whereby you need a certain amount of money to get a vending license. You need a certain amount of money you you, in a social certain socioeconomic class have to pay more tax than someone who's... Like Warren Buffett's uh, secretary was paying more tax than he was. Like for me, that's like the playing field is not level for everyone to realise entrepreneurship. If you're having to go to school now, you are now forced to remain in further education after a certain age. Now Rishi Sunak has come up with a scheme where people need to learn maths at a certain age. However, he would have gone to school in Harrow where he'd have had access to a lot more financial literacy and understanding, whereby people who have to adhere to a school curriculum won't have that kind of insight. You know, it's always the conversation where we say that, like, it's not really about knowing. We were taught maths is important, but maths isn't important. Having a financial literacy to understand how to get on a property ladder is important or how to circum- find certain tax loopholes or find certain, you know, credits that are available to you if you declare yourself a certain tax status or or self-employed. That's the kind of literacy that will help someone to realize their entrepreneurial kind of like aspirations, not just learning how to crunch numbers. Like there's a big difference between having a bookkeeper that can keep your accounts and having an accountant who is able to help you file your taxes offshore. So that's, I mean, can entrepreneurship really survive if we have like an oligarchy that's, you know, loading the dice? Cause you know, like with GameStop, for example, there was the whole thing where the people like the GameStop thing. There were big hedge funds that were uh trying to shorten this uh yeah. this stock, and then the people came together and were able to put the price up. but then all of the apps they were using basically all mysteriously broke down, and people weren't able to sell their stock on until these hedge funds were able to recover for me the, I don't think that's fair that you had a bunch of people that were had the entrepreneurial insight to be able to bring this price up, but before they were able to realize the value of those shares, then the markets started conspiring. From stopping them. So, how can entrepreneurial, how, how can entrepreneurship survive when you have oligopoly or oligarchy loading the dice and not making the game fair? Well, like you said before, you said
2: the same thing with the environment. Like they don't give a shit. Why would they care? It's everyone. Yeah. Every, there's this sort of facade of we look after everyone, but at the end of the day, even the education yeah. system is loaded against you. It's designed to make yeah. you go and get a job. I mean, just there's a, there's a great thing I saw. With this uh, this rapper was. Uh, in the US, he did like a, a sort of a speech. It was, it's called I Sue the School System YouTube. It's really good. Um, and he's just running through the whole design, the classes, the types of things that you learn. It's all designed to keep you at a certain level and, and uh, allow you not to yeah. get Now I'm from a very poor working class background. Um, I've had to bust out of that. And I, I, the very interesting thing for me was I didn't see outside of my world until I went to travel and it was a holy rep. And then I also, was introduced to these people and these worlds. I was like, whoa. This didn't know this was a thing. Business became apparent to me. That root in lives became apparent to me. These people, what they had became apparent that it existed. And, and it was, I felt like I'd been sheltered my entire life because I was, my world was this. And I've grown over the last 10, 20 years or whatever it is now. Uh, well, 15 years. And I look back at my friends that I used to know in school and they still are in that world. So you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes you stumble oh. across it. And sometimes you have, have educated yourself to a point where you realize that these things exist. There is ways around things and, and you start to start playing on the same level uh, level playing field. Um, but until you get to that that real, until you have that realization or you have that access to information, which takes you outside of that little world, everything's again, I feel like everything's stacked against people to keep them in a certain box. And um, yeah, it's, it's a very, especially if you're from, a, like I said, working class background, sounds like you are too. It's uh, something that I never realized. Even like you said, the fact that they go to the nicest schools with the best education, they have X, Y, Z, and they know each other, they all work yeah. with each other. Just look at COVID. How many of them conspired to yeah. just pull off mass fraud? Like their friends' companies were getting paid billion dollar contracts to provide face masks
1: and bollocks like that. It just shows how- Yeah, never that, never that never manifested. And then we would have to, then we have to look at these people who are lauded as entrepreneurs or having particular business acumen when they're not even able to control a balance of payments for a country, much less a company. Like Donald Trump became president, and one of the one of the uh, attributes that people associated with him was that he's good business. But this is someone that has gone who had adjusted for inflation today. I think he had uh, seed, seed money to start his businesses from his dad, from about a hundred million, including the property portfolio and the value of like uh, the, the property their family had. Then he went bankrupt managing those properties. Then he had money again because then the company floated onto the stock exchange so he had more influx of support from investors again then went bankrupt again and despite this because he's had he comes from generational wealth he is still won't realize poverty the way that a normal layperson will have poverty but how can we call this person an entrepreneur to the point where he was the host of the u.s apprentice so imagine being told about your lack of business acumen by someone that's gone bankrupt three times and might possibly be bankrupt again it goes back to what we were saying before about like Who are you to tell me what success is? You're not that successful. Your parents are just rich. And and I I think I worry because with that, as well as like the rise and proliferation of like automation and like machines, can entrepreneurship, which I think is an important part of human spirit within a commercial capacity, if nothing else, how can we make sure it still survives? How can we make sure, like you said, that there's still that opportunity for someone like yourself to just have good ideas, want to do something different, and be able to make that into a successful business that doesn't fold after like three years of trading.
0: Well, it is uh, a big subject. And I imagine in the coming years, we're going to hear people talk about it lots and lots as the fucking economy declines further and further. Um, it's been a good episode, Dane. It's been a lot of different stuff. We've had We've had a lot of stuff from Lewis on a lot of different subjects. It's been very interesting. I appreciate you guys having me on as well. It's been good to talk
2: to you uh just just talk to people that are not just um chatting shit that makes Thanks.
0: sense
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, i really appreciate <laughs> that <laughs> like i'm very man so my do you know what it is it's early well it's not early anymore but like you know, it's one of those things where in manchester we can't example we can't actually come across what we're trying to say so we tend tend to replace words with things like chatting shit which means a whole range of things it's a, i've got a very extensive vocabulary i would say you've
0: done a very good job
1: mate oh I think you did know, a great job. Once you understand the Mancunian intonation, you can work out what yeah, everything yeah. means in context anyway. So that, that makes perfect sense. What, what I right. meant by
2: that was, uh, you know, some people come on here and they're all just talking about um, nonsensical things like, uh, what's the apprentice no. like? You know, who gives a fuck? Uh, what, <laughs> what do you have to do if you want to apply? I don't know, give up in life. Like those sort, of, <laughs> those sort of questions, which are just nonsensical. I, I, it's nice that you <laughs> talk about the economy, politics, business, actual real, real, what real success means to people. And I hope the people that listen to this, Uh, do not do not swear at any people that work in hotels anytime soon
1: good yeah, it is good I also think as well that like with your that mentality as well you'll find it very easy and I think it will be a very successful uh, endeavour to speak to young people because Mm -hmm. just telling them like it is and having that transparency alone normally helps for young people they like one thing I guess I can look back and think about my life when I was a teenager and, and maybe had some probably when I had a lot more healthier entrepreneurial aspirations is Having someone that tells it like it is, is always helpful. So I think you'll be more than fine, Lewis. But in the meantime, please tell our listeners and viewers so they can find out about your good works, past, present, and future, personal, as well as business.
2: Yeah, um, well, you can pretty much find me if you type Lewis Ellis into anything. um, My socials will appear, so just do that on Google. Um, But in terms of marketing, hustle, H-U-S-S-E-L, check it out. It's a very, very weird marketing agency. It's more advertising uh, in the most unorthodox wild ways. The so things you might have heard, you'd be like, oh, that was him. Uh, and hmm. then Hidden Travel, H-I-D-D-N Travel, is launching uh, next week. I'm very nervous about it. It's my first time, my first foray into running a travel company. Um, and as I mentioned, talking to Howard, there's some pretty cool things in there that we're trying to actually mitigate in this space. Hmm. And we're creating something that's impact-driven. Like, just on a side note, like, you know, you're saying that influences and stuff like that, they're not worth shit. Like, you see this travel company selling holidays based on influences. I'm sending people... Uh, who are, are people who have actually achieved something. They are entrepreneurs, business owners, impact driven. People are young professionals, career driven. That's who you should aspire to be like. Not the fucking person that gets a free holiday every five minutes because <laughs> they were on Big Brother 10 years ago. No one gives a shit that's not a successful person. Um, so that's kind of one of the things we're trying to trying to solve there as well so yeah check it out I'd like to uh, I'd like, I'd look to see people excited about what I'm excited about sounds good to me Good,
1: man. It's, uh, it sounds exciting and I think if it gives you any uh, sense of uh, consolation or even inspiration I think just being prepared to uh, do what you want to do and not give a shit what people think about you it's probably one of the most successful ways, successful ways that a human being can exist so I think I, but at the same time it's dynamic so even though you know success is something that should be ongoing and uh, I'd say yeah we t- take it day by day we'll, we'll look Every forward to keeping,
0: keeping track of you thank you very
1: Absolutely, much guys Lewis, I but, appreciate um, I'm definitely going to be in touch about the marketing and the hidden travels because I do like to travel and I'm interested in more marketing man so you've uh, again successfully sold another person and uh, thank you very much for taking time to come on the podcast yes thank
0: you You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapteiste and at the Howard Cohen. You can now support us on Patreon. Just search DBQE Podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at dbqe podcast, and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Insanity Group.
3: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.